Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Seraphim has six wings, two of which serve for the purpose of flying. Now you think of wings and you think, well, wings are there for flying. Well, the Seraphim have two for flying, four for humility. I just think that's really interesting to show when we think about this, angels are, in this case, two-thirds of their wings are being used for a purpose other than flying, but for worship. Welcome to the Rap Report with your host, Andrew Rappaport, where we provide biblical interpretation and application. This is a ministry of striving for eternity and the Christian podcast community. For more content or to request a speaker for your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Well, welcome to another edition of the Rap Report. I'm your host, Andrew Rappaport, joined again with my friend, Jim Osmond of Kootenai Community Church. How are you doing, sir? Good. Good to be with you again. Looking forward to Bud getting back. Yeah, they, I, I think he's. I think he was saying uh, end of March he, he's going to yeah. be able, but March is going to be a busy month, uh, at, at least for me. I know you're going to be joining me at Shepherd's Conference, so that, that'll be a, be a little bit of fun getting to see you when, again. When Bud comes back in, maybe we need to have Bud here. I can hand it off to him, show him all the improvements I've made to his job description while he's <laughs> been gone and uh, sort of walk him through how to how to step into the shoes that I've created for him. <laughs> yeah. You know, I keep telling Buddy, you got to listen to all the kind of digs that you're giving to him. <laughs> so, so yeah, he's, he's going to have big shoes to, to fill. And actually I just got done listening to your uh, sermon. You're one of the podcasters on the Christian podcast community, which is where many can find this podcast as well. We have your Sunday sermons that are out and you just, you kind of decided to just jettison you're going through of Hebrews to, to look at Genesis. Amazing. Amazing. I did find it funny. You, you know, your humor comes out. You were like, okay, well, my last me- sermon was really long. So I have to do this in 1.5 speed so we can get through it. <laughs> and, then, and then you're, you're, you're going through Genesis. And, and I mean, I do realize that you may have some, 
all millennials that are listening to your podcast or to your sermons and, and, and you kind of apologize to them or, you know, you just basically said, you know, God made it really clear there's these land promises and, huh, what do you know? God usually is, is faithful to his word. He doesn't change. Like say, oh, I know I said it this way, but I really meant it that way. Yeah, that's right. So it, it was it was nice that you kind of gave a okay if you're if you're a millennial you may you could tune back in now <laughs> next week. Yeah. <laughs> what we're going to talk about on today's episode are angels. Now we started this some episodes ago looking at angels and gave an overview of angels. And there's going to be a lot of repeat in this episode. So if you go back and listen to the previous one in the series, you'll you'll be able to get that background. Now we're going to have some repeating of some of this stuff because there's going to be a lot here on holy angels that are true for all angels. So you'll get some repetitive, but that's good. This week, we're going to look specifically, though, at holy angels. Now, these are separate from what we're going to call fallen angels. We'll look at those later episodes. You may think of fallen angels as demons, but we're making this specific distinction because people sometimes think as if demons are not angels, as if there's some other character of, of beings. And so we want to make it really clear that under the higher category of angels, it's broken down into two separate groups, holy and unholy, or holy and fallen. But they're all still angels. Now, someone ought to tell some of these Word of Faith guys that, though, because I always love this. You know, when Justin Peters does his seminar, and and he plays this clip of, I think it's Sid Roth, who, who can't figure out the reason he explains why we should speak in tongues is because that way, demons can't understand it. And he says, that's why that we speak in angelic language. So demons can't understand it. And I love when Justin does that and goes, someone ought to tell him that demons are angels. Like, you're, you're, gonna, you're going to confound an angel by speaking their language. <laughs> you don't know the language, but the angels do. But if you speak their language, they're not going to know it somehow. Like... <laughs> So there are people that sometimes think that demons are not in the category of angels. If there was some angelic language, which we don't know that there actually is, but if there was, I think demons would understand the angelic language because they are angels. They're just fallen ones. So with that, why don't we get into looking at this doctrinal statement? And what we've been doing in this series is if you go to strivingforeternity.org, under the About section, there is a What We Believe. We're going through that, open up the section on angels, and we're in the, the category heading, Holy Angels. So why don't you read the first two paragraphs for that for us, Jim? And you know, because there's in this, we have a lot of scripture citation, so maybe what we should, could do is just, just read the white spaces there, read, read the white letters, not the uh, citation so much. That, that way we can... And so, folks, what I want to do, though, is encourage you to go to the doctrinal statement there so that you can look up each of the citations. You want to check to make sure we're putting them out there, that they're in context. You want to make sure that uh, what what we're saying there is what the Scripture actually teaches. Don't take our word for it. You want to compare it to Scripture. 
I encourage you to go and check those out, and we're going to be looking at some of the Scripture passages as we explain these. So, Jim, if you could read the first two uh, paragraphs there. Yeah, under holy angels. Holy angels are those angels that are confirmed in holiness by a single act of obedience that occurred sometime between Genesis one thirty one and Genesis 3, verse 1. Holy angels abide in heaven while still having access to earth. These holy angels minister to God and specifically to the incarnate Christ. They also minister to believers, unbelievers, and nations. In relation to God, there are angels that worship, praise, serve, and punish his enemies. While Christ dwelled physically on earth, angels made announcements, strengthening Christ, and were present throughout his ministry. And so right out of the gate, what we're saying here about holy angels, and we mentioned this in the last episode when we talked about angels, that angels are different than people. They're a different being. With angels who are in the presence of God, they had a one-time act, a single act of obedience or disobedience. And then they're confirmed in that state for eternity. Unlike you and I that have our whole lifetime to come to repentance, but the moment we die then, the state of saved or unsaved is then confirmed for eternity. So that this is something different. So angels cannot change their state. The holy angels are confirmed in their holiness by this, this single act. And we don't have a lot of detail on what happened I know there's a lot of fiction writers that have written <laughs> on what really happened there. There's a lot of things that people will speculate there. When you look at some other religious systems, such as uh, the Mormons, you'll see that they put a lot in there of what hap- supposedly happened there. And what they believe in this act was because they believe that all of the spirits that are going to populate Earth were created already— they actually argue that all the spirits were there in heaven with Heavenly Father and his wife, because that's who creates all the spirits. And the argument is that Jesus, the Father decided Jesus would be the Savior, but Satan wanted to be the Savior. And so they had a fight. And basically, those who sided with Satan were punished and cursed. Now, it is interesting because Satan is a spirit in, in Mormonism, but he doesn't come and become a human being. He stays as a spirit. And it is kind of interesting because in Mormonism, you have all these spirits that somehow become like angels that become people. We've already dealt with that. That's not in scripture. But it is interesting because here's something you'll see. Well, they said there was this, this battle in heaven. All of the angels or spirits that sided with God, Heavenly Father, and that's what they will, how they refer to it, Heavenly Father, and for Jesus being the, the one to be the Savior, they actually say, well, they are going to come to earth as, quote, white and delightful, unquote, people. So you say, okay, then what about those spirits that sided with Satan or Lucifer? Oh, they come back cursed. Those are black people. Yes, this is actually in Mormonism. It's amazing because, you know, I guess the theology, you know, this, this supposedly happened in sometime in the, in the past, and, and yet nowadays the Mormons have just changed all that because it's clearly racist, right? And they wanted to reach out to black people and get their money too. So th- this <laughs> is, you, you have these things that where people will add a whole lot into this. We're just saying that whatever this act was, we don't 
we don't have anything in scripture that gives us enough detail of what happened. But we are saying that it's somewhere between Genesis 1.31 and 3.1. Now, why that? Because in Genesis 1.31, it says, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And it was evening, and it was morning, the sixth day. So at that moment, he is saying everything was very good. And yet by Genesis 3.1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast in the field, which the Lord had made, and said to the woman, Indeed, has God said to you, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden. Now, this we would say is, is Satan deceiving Eve. By the way, side note, Jim, this is, you know, host prerogative to do a side note here and just go completely <laughs> off topic. All an audible. Yeah. <laughs> so here, here's, the, I want you to notice something. Go read Genesis chapter one, two, and three. Look at what, how Satan see is trying to deceive Eve. Now think about the garden. How many trees are they allowed to eat in the garden? All of them. All but one, right? There's just yep. one. All of them. What does Satan make it about? He says, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden. Yeah. This is something you end up seeing with Satan, that if God says everything is good, but one thing should be avoided, Satan makes it all about the one thing. We see this in our day and age. What roles can women do in church? All of them except for one, basically. All except for one. And, and so many people will say, well, if you don't let a woman preach and have authority over a man— then you're not letting her do anything. Yeah, they, they you make don't it, believe the women should be able to serve the Lord? Yeah. It becomes all about the one thing that God says they, they shouldn't do. They can do everything else. Every, there's, there's no limitation on all the other, but it's just that one. But somehow, if you don't let them do that one, you're against women. Really? You're ignoring all the other things they could do. And, and that's the way Satan ends up working. So it just... Side note that you pay, see that because you'll see that in, in a lot of different areas when people will be tempted in that way, like Satan, to just reshift the focus onto one thing they shouldn't be doing and that may make that everything. So, but th this act had to have occurred between Genesis 131, where everything was declared good, and Genesis 3.1, where you have the temptation. So somewhere between there, the angels must have fallen. Yeah, and we talked last time about when the angels were created, and we said it was sometime during the creation week or that first day of creation or right before the creation week, you know, at the beginning. So, again, we need to make sure that we understand that the angels are there for most, if not all, of creation. And they're witnesses to this, and they fall. Satan and his rebellion falls sometime, comes sometime after that. I think, can't be dogmatic, that angels were created somewhere within the first three days. Mm -hmm. They had to have been created prior to, well, day six, they see the creation of man. That's, we looked at, we mentioned that. So day five at the latest, unless they, God created angels and man on the same time. But I think that God wanted them to see that. Mm -hmm. And so he created them prior early in the process. How soon... I have no idea. I mean, it's it's amazing to think about that the angels, this act, had to have been pretty early on, because we don't know how long Adam and Eve were in the garden, but was it days? Was it years? But at some point, the angels rebelled, 
it, it couldn't have been too long because we do know how Adam and Eve were, how old they w- were before they started having children. So it's not like it was centuries before the fall. Mm-hmm. What you end up seeing is that it's probably early on that the angels rebelled against God. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a lot of questions about that rebellion. I think it's somewhere in Ezekiel where God is describing Lucifer and he says, you were in your majesty in the garden of God, walked in the garden of God. So there seems to be this, I've speculated in the past that I think what caused Satan to say, I will be like the most high, I will set myself up, I will take this throne, was him witnessing creation and saying as a, as the anointed cherub, yeah, I could do that and and then have a, a collection of people worship him. I, I Why would I, I could have them worship me. And that was the pride of it. It was seeing God create everything and then seeing him create man who would, were meant to have a relationship with him and worship him. And Satan longed for that worship. And so I, I think that there's a walking in the garden of God there after creation that somehow caused that pride to find its way into the heart of Satan. And, and that's when he fell. And I think that's why he fell. I think it's connected to that creation because it seems to be that he was part of that creation and a witness to it. Yeah. And that's Ezekiel 28, 11 to 17 you're referring. And w- when you look at that, the other passage that's attributed to Satan, we'll, we'll look at that in a future episode is Isaiah 14. And there you actually see kind of what the fall was about. Cause he says, I think it's seven times. He says, I will, I will, I will. Mm-hmm. He wanted what God had. And he wanted the honor and the glory that God rightfully deserves. He wanted that for himself. And so this is on a note, folks. People talk about the fall as if the fall, the initial fall of sin was with Adam and Eve. That's not true. The first time there was sin in the universe, it was actually with the angels. That happened prior to Genesis 3.1. Because once they fell, they went to deceive human beings. So that was the first sin that was initiated was with the angels. Now, the holy angels, they didn't. They didn't rebel against God, so they're confirmed in holiness. In the statement, we say, holy angels abode in heaven while having access to earth. And and this is something just to recognize that you can see this in, in Daniel, Daniel chapter 9, the angel comes from heaven to Daniel to give an interpretation of, of the dream to be able to answer his, his prayer. We see things like that. Okay. So they, they have some way of being able to travel between heaven and earth. You can see this in, in Job. Job starts out and, and God asked Satan, where have you been? He's been, he's roaming the earth. He said, have you considered my, my servant Job? And so Satan and the, and the other angels have some way of being able to travel back and forth between heaven and earth. How do they do that? Well, I, I don't think they take a cable car like uh, some of the Word of Faith guys claim they go to heaven in. You know, actually, we, we should do this. This could be really fun, Jim. We, we should hmm. actually just get a list of all of the people that claim, all these Word of Faith folks that claim they go to heaven— we should get a list of all the different ways they've gotten there. Huh. I mean, cable cars, some of them are just transported. I think there was one that said they were hot air balloon or something. You know, It's like, <laughs> I mean, it, it might be an interesting list of, uh, to see how creative they are with how they get there. But angels can, can go back and forth. We don't, we don't know how. 
There's no scripture that explains that, but we know that they, they can. We do know that in Daniel, an angel was held up by another angel from coming to Daniel, so they could have resistance there. But th- these angels, these holy angels, all angels were designed to be ministers. So these holy angels, because they're holy, they still maintain that responsibility, that privilege, that job of being a minister to God. They were, and specifically, they were ministering to Christ when he was on earth. We, we see that in scripture. And so that's what angels do. Their job is to minister to God, to minister to Christ while, while he was on earth, but they also act as messengers of God. And part of that is they minister to believers. And oh, by the way, they also minister to unbelievers and nations, right? We see that in, in scripture that you'll have it with Daniel, you have it with uh, Jeremiah, that they, they actually are working within nations. And so this gets into the question though, Jim, that a lot of people sometimes think of, and this we said in the last episode when we talked about angels, that there's a, a lot of confusion with angels. Mm-hmm. Have you been asked, you get, put your pastoral hat on, see if you've been asked this before. Uh, Pastor Jim, do we have guardian angels? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't think the scripture says that we have guardian angels specifically assigned to us. I do think that from time to time, angels are assigned to minister to believers, but I don't believe that there's anything in scripture that says that there's one particular angel that is assigned to me at the moment of my birth who's supposed to watch over me all the way through my life. And and interestingly enough, there are people who believe that that is that, that even believe, unbelievers have guardian angels. It, it, unbelievers describe that. They talk about having guardian angels. And yet scripture, scripture is not silent about angels ministering to us and serving us, but it is silent as to whether or not we are assigned an angel. I, I think when we get to heaven, I think we're going to find that a lot of angels were assigned to us at various points in our lives. Yes. And there's one passage that I think people use where it it mentions his angel. Speaking of someone, I, I can't remember where it is. I wanted to say it was in James, but I don't think it is. But there, there is a passage where people use it to say that this is speaking of guardian angels. And, and yet, I, I remember looking at that passage, and it doesn't, it doesn't imp- say that. People are implying that. There are angels that will minister to believers, but they can be ministering to unbelievers. They can be ministering to nations. We don't know enough about how they do their ministry yeah, and how they organize that. Scripture just doesn't give us that information. In this case, that less information is better for us because with the little information that we are given, people abuse that and make too much out of it and go beyond what's written. If God gave us any more information, they would just, man would have a tendency to compound false doctrine after false doctrine after tradition on top of all of that and come up with all kinds of bizarre things. No, you're saying that people, people would corrupt what God has said. No, I can't believe that. <laughs> I could see it happen <laughs> in, in a rare case, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is exactly why we, we end up seeing so much division in, in so many groups because people are trying to make the word of God say what they wish it said. Yeah. A great example of that would be recently we, we had a church of Christ minister that joined our apologetics live show 
And in there, he was pushing for the belief that baptism saves you. I think he did a horrible job because every time we came to a scripture, we wanted to stick to one scripture passage and just examine what the scripture actually said. He always wanted to jump all over the Bible instead of looking at the context of what he wants to understand the context of one passage by jumping to another passage and yeah. not look at that context either. Just slam those verses together. Yeah. As if, as if the context of one is just a citation of another passage. Yeah. And, and that's the thing you have to be careful with. And, and you're right, Jim, th- this is what people do. And, and if we had more information about angels, it doesn't mean that we would have these things clarified. We would, but you'd still have people that would abuse it. They abuse the information they currently have. Mm-hmm. This is the problem with people that don't want to submit to Scripture, but want Scripture to submit to them. That's really what it comes down to. They want God to submit to them. That's dangerous. They put themselves in a position of judge over the Word of God. That James, uh, I think it's four or five, mentions that. When we judge our brother, not by God's standard, but our, by our own, we, we're actually saying that our standard, we're, we're putting ourselves above the Word of God. People do this all the time because they, they want to, in their pride, they want to be uh, seen, heard, and have that whatever that is, that belief system, they want the Word of God to say that. They're going to try to find a way to make that happen. People do this all the time. Before we get into angels, the, the relationship between angels, God, because we, we gave a little bit of the, the overview of how the, their, their purpose of to minister, before we get to the, the next paragraph, it'd be good for us to take a word from our sponsor, and that would be my pillow. And we're glad that MyPillow sponsors this show. Uh, They have some outstanding products. I enjoy their products thoroughly. Want to encourage you to consider getting, if you don't have, consider getting their their three-inch mattress topper because that I love. I got that. Um, That is a great, it's it's like got these three different levels uh, or or foam parts to it. So they have the MyPillow foam uh, for durability. That's the same that they have in their pillow which is just a great, it, it stays, it keeps its its shape all night long when you have the pillows because there's a lot of pillows that just go flat. The My pillows do not go flat. They stay, I don't know how he does it, but then they have a layer of, of the traditional foam and then then there's another layer that they have where they they have it zipped up in this, in this third layer that keeps your temperature. And so because of that, it, it just, it really makes a comfortable night's sleep and you don't end up sinking down because like one of the things with the foam the foam you sink into it but with the traditional foam and then with his my pillow layer it keeps it so you're not really sinking too deep gives you a really comfortable night's sleep so i encourage you to go to mypillow.com and use our promo code sfe that stands for striving for eternity or you can call the 1-800 number they have for us 1-800-873-0176 that's 800-873-0176 use promo code SFE to make sure you get your discounts and it lets them know that you heard about it here now Jim as we were talking in relation to God Mm -hmm. there are angels that are designed for the specific role of worship. We see that in Isaiah 6, 2 and 3. There's a a group of angels called seraphim. They're there to worship. 
And it is kind of interesting because I don't know that all angels have wings. Some people think that they have wings, that all angels have wings. We know that seraphim do, and it's interesting because it's described in Isaiah 6, too, that they have three sets or three pairs of wings, okay? So they have six wings. Now, it's interesting because Isaiah says two of them, with two of the wings, the angel covers their face. With two, they cover their feet, and with two, they flew. And what are they saying? Well, they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. So they're worshiping God. It's interesting because two covering their face and two covering their feet is, is the acts of showing holiness, of worship. That they, they shouldn't be with God there like they shouldn't be looking at God and that they're, they're unclean to be in the presence of God. They cover their feet. So it's interesting that seraphim has six wings, two of which serve for the purpose of flying. Now, you think of wings and you think, well, wings are there for flying. Well, the seraphim have two for flying, four for humility. I just think that's really interesting to show when we think about this. Angels are, in this case, being two-thirds of their wings are being used for a purpose other than flying, but for worship. Mm -hmm. So we see that angels worship. They worship God specifically. We see in, in Job 38, 7, that they praise God. They sang to God. We see that they serve God. You could see that Genesis 19, 12 to 13, that this is with Lot, where the angels go out to carry out what God has set for them to do. So that they act in service of God. Uh, and they do one other thing that we see. And that is they punish God's enemies. Now, this doesn't mean that they do that every time that someone acts as an enemy of God, because we're all start out as God's enemies. But that's the beauty of of the fact that while we were enemies of God, God saved us. But you see in, in 2 Kings 19.35, it says, Then it happened that night that the angel of the Lord went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when the men rose early in the morning, behold, all of them were dead. So what you, you see here is that the angel, God used an angel in that case to carry out an act of warfare and, and slaughter 185,000 people. Now, I have heard this before, Jim, maybe you have too, but people will look at a passage like that, and this is one of the ones I get asked sometimes when I'm on the street doing open-air evangelism, and they say, well, see, see, God killed people. He's a murderer. He used the angels to act on his behalf to kill 185,000 people. Is this an act of murder, Jim? No. No, murder is the unjustified taking of human life, and God needs nothing more than his own will to justify taking human life. So it's not the same thing as murder. It is an act of killing, but God is completely free to kill because he is the one who gives life. He can take life for whatever purposes he deems appropriate at the time. So we have to distinguish between murder and killing. Is it an act of killing? Yes, it is. Angels killed people at God's uh, demand, at his command. And But that's not murder. Murder is the unjustified taking of an innocent human life. That's different than the act of killing. And so this is... Something people try to use, though, Jim, to say that somehow God is wrong. 
you know, at the very first time we sinned, God would be, have been absolutely just in taking our life. In fact, he could have just taken Adam and Eve just immediately. Like he could have taken Eve's life when she took that fruit and taken her life immediately and create a new woman. And he would be absolutely just in doing it. The reason people ask questions like that is because they think they're a good person, <laughs> right? They they yeah. think that God should give me everything. I'm so wonderful. The, the problem is that they have a high and inflated view of themselves, not a high and inflated view of God. The, the, the question is not, why does God kill 185,000 people in that day? The question is, why did he let them live so long? Yeah. Why does he let us live even right now? Yeah. It, it shows his long suffering with us. And so when people try to use passages like this to try to say somehow God is unjust, one of the things I'll do when anyone tells me, uh, makes an argument that somehow God is unjust, I just ask them point blank, are you saying that God is unjust? And they go, yes. Where do you get your standard of justice from? Because the, the only way we can have an absolute universal standard of justice is if it comes from the creator who is just. It comes from God. That's We know what justice is because it comes from the nature of God. So if God's nature is just, how could he be unjust? Because that would be against his nature. In fact, what makes un, something unjust, what, what makes it wrong to, to not be doing what is just, is because it is going against the nature of God. And so that's the whole thing we have to realize is, we have to keep with the nature of God. An act of unjusticeness is the opposite of his attributes. That's what makes it wrong. He can never be unjust because we get justice from him. He's the source of it. And so he did kill 185,000 Assyrians on that day, but he was just in doing it because he had been long-suffering with them for all those years. Now, he used an angel to do that. He doesn't always do this. I mean, many times we see in warfare that God would act and, and give a victory, but he gave that victory without the angels being involved in it. Mm -hmm. On this occasion, he did that. Why? Well, ultimately, we, we don't know. He, he has lots of reasons for what he does, but he did it in this case. But I would argue that the result of this was that the Israelites marveled mm -hmm. and, and that's what he wanted them to do, to marvel at what he could do. And we should be amazed at the ability of one angel to wreak such damage and havoc upon a population If one angel can slaughter 185,000. Imagine what a legion of our angels could do. I mean, the angels are mightier, far mightier in power than we can even possibly imagine, which just makes you realize how foolish it is for anybody thinking that they have the authority to bind, rebuke, reprove, or slander uh, evil spirits. We will definitely touch on that in more detail when we get into specifically Satan, because when we talk about that whole aspect, you have a lot of people, when it comes to angels, think they could speak to the angels, command angels even. And we don't see what that in scripture, the way that many will, will practice that, telling Satan what to do, binding him up. They're going to be stronger than him and, and 
tie him up. And I, I always love when it, Justin Peters in his Clouds Without Water has the comment where he says, who's ever the guy that keeps releasing Satan, they, they should just bind him up. Because <laughs> everyone around the world's always binding Satan. Somehow someone keeps letting him go, letting him free. <laughs> bind that person <laughs> so that he's just bound. But we'll address that in a future episode when we look into Satan. Another thing we mentioned here is that while Christ dwelled physically on earth, the angels, they were involved in several aspects. The first is his announcement. And these are the passages, I think, that seem to be reserved only for one time a year. And, and then everyone reads Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2, Matthew, right? You end up seeing that there's those passages that are just at Christmas time, right? We have the announcements of Christ. And, and so we do have in Luke, though, we have the announcements that we have there where Gabriel ends up being sent by God. This is uh, Luke one twenty six. So we have Gabriel is one of the few angels that, are, that we have by name. There's only three angels that we have by name. It's Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. Those, those are the three angels that we have by name. And so Gabriel was sent by God to Galilee, okay, to the city of Nazareth, to go to Mary and proclaim to Mary that she is going to give birth to the Savior. So we also have that some other angels, they aren't named in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, that the shepherds are out in a field. They're there at night watching the flock, and an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. And what does he do? He announces to them that Christ had come. So we see that angels on the behest of God, in, in their service to God, came to earth to make an announcement. Now, with this note, and we said this in the last, in the series on, when we looked, started looking at angels, we talked about the fact that angels somehow can be invisible and be visible. They can make themselves somehow visible to human beings. That's very uncommon. It's not normal, but it can happen. And here are some cases where it did. Mary saw Gabriel. Daniel had seen Gabriel. The shepherds see these angels. They can see them. How can an angel be go from visible to invisible to visible? I have no idea. But all I know is that scripture makes it clear that they, they did, and so we know that they can. So not only were they, in the, in the life of Christ, did they make announcements of his coming, but we also see in Matthew 4, after his temptation, that they strengthened Christ. Now, how did they do that? It just says they strengthened him. I did not enough detail. This gets back to where we say there'd be some speculation when you try to say what it means when it says, uh, this is Matthew 4.11, then the devil left him and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. What did that look like? Well, I think what Jim had said earlier is we shouldn't go beyond what scripture says, right? This is where we get in trouble. And if there was more, it doesn't, more information on angels, it doesn't mean that we would be clarified in some of this. No, it just means that we would have more things to corrupt, unfortunately. No. <laughs> and so looking at this, what we end up seeing is that they came and strengthened him or ministered to him in some way. 
but I, I don't have anything more of, of clarity on that other than to say that they ministered because that's what scripture says. Yeah. So one last thing dealing specifically with Christ that we see is it says, and the angels were present throughout his ministry. Now we, we see a couple times where the angels were involved. Luke twenty two forty three says, now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. So again, he, the angels, while he was on, on earth, they were ministering to Christ, strengthening him. Don't know what that looked like. Now, there is going to be one difference here when it comes to Christ. Jim, though, you and I may have angels right around us we can't see. Yeah. Christ knew what those angels were doing when he was on earth because he's omniscient. Yeah. He could see, he, he could, even if he can't see him with his, his physical eyes as a human, in his deity, he knows what they're doing. He can see them that way. Yeah. So it is kind of interesting that the angels would be ministering to him on, on you know, even though no one else, you'd have his 12 disciples, could have a whole, it could be at the, the feeding of the 5,000 with 5,000 men. And yet the angels would be there. No one sees those angels, but Christ would know what they're doing. He sees them. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, so Acts chapter uh, 1, verse 10 says, and they were uh, gazing intently into the sky while he was going. Behold, two men in white clothes stood beside them. And now this is the idea I, I picture, like Christ is, is ascending into heaven and they're just watching that, right? They see Christ physically rising and ascending. And then all of a sudden two angels, just boop, right? They just went from invisible to visible mm-hmm. all of a sudden. Just everyone would be startled, you know, and, and see that. And I think that that would happen. It would get people's attention. But we ended up seeing they were there already. Even though the disciples watching Jesus ascend didn't see them until they suddenly made themselves visible, Christ saw them. He knew they were there. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that is important to think about angels is the the realization that we're not when we talk about an angel coming from heaven we're not talking about an angel transversing space like we think of space as if they had to come from the other side of alpha centauri or some distant galaxy but when angels come from heaven to earth we're more talking about them changing not locations so much as dimensions angels are creatures of a spiritual dimension a a place a realm that we cannot see with the naked eye. We cannot perceive it with these fallen bodies. We don't have access to that here because we are in the flesh. We're under the curse. We can't see flesh and blood cannot see the kingdom of heaven or the glory of God. But an angel, when they just suddenly appear with the disciples, it's much like Jesus appearing in a locked room with the disciples. Jesus didn't come into that locked room because he transversed from point A to point B and walked through a wall that's a, a mischaracterization. Rather, Jesus simply appeared amongst them because he he simply wills to change locations in terms of changing dimensions or changing realms. He goes from the heavenly realm into the physical realm, and it's just a matter of of of, of changing really how people perceive him from being imperceptible to being perceptible. And that's what angels do. This it's not like it took them a while to get from heaven to earth. They didn't have to travel. The, the disciples didn't see the angels coming through the clouds and, and making the trip down to earth in order to give the message. They just simply appeared in the presence of the people to whom they, they were speaking. We are bound by matter, by time, by space. Mm-hmm. We don't know angels, what limitations they have or don't. This is, this is something that when we look at angels, we have to 
realize they travel different than you and I, because we're in a, in a physical body. They're not, they're a spirit. How does their spirit travel? I don't know. <laughs> you know I, I suspect it's not a matter of traversing distance though. That's, that's the key. Yeah. Well, and, and yeah. yet at the same time, you end up seeing that in Daniel here, Gabriel's going to come to Daniel, but he was held up. Yeah. And so he could be, he could be held up by a demon. So, so there was some battle that was going on. Some, you know, he's held up, I think it said three days. And so however they do travel, there's something there that they could limit one another from being able to get from point A to point B. Yeah. It, it's not, it doesn't seem like they just immediately appear somewhere. You know, like they just think, okay, I got to be in Paris. So boom, I'm there. Because the, the other angel was able to prevent him from getting to Daniel. Yeah, assuming that that, that angel is coming from uh, heaven, and it, it it's entirely possible, I think, and this is just sanctified speculation, that an it, it, an angel may take time or have to transverse from from Kootenai to New Jersey, from Idaho to New Jersey, is a matter of going from A to B, but going from the spiritual realm to being physically visible is not a matter of transversing space. Yeah, I mean, I, I that could be, and and yeah. you're right. This is this is a sanctified speculation. Yeah, right. We we can't be sure about this. There's something that's not mentioned in your doctrinal statements. Not intended to be a complete list of everything angels do, but in some way the angels were involved in mediating the old covenant, and we need to remember that. Galatians three nineteen says. Paul says, why the law then? It was added because of transgressions, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. So there is some sense in which, Galatians 3.19, Paul says, there's some sense in which angels were involved in mediating and ordaining the law, the giving of the law. They were there with Moses, and that law was in some way communicated through angels. So there we see angels being involved in a good way, holy angels being involved in a good way with the giving of the law, indicating its holiness, its purity, uh, God's purposes, and obviously the angels' establishment of that covenant and being mediators with that covenant makes them a witness to that covenant as well as uh, those who are involved in, in the mediating of it. And one other thing, Andrew, that I just it, it dawned on me going back to the beginning of our discussion here today about holy angels being confirmed in holiness by a single act. It's important to remember that when we talk about demons, we're not talking about we're not talking about something other than an angelic being. Demons were once holy angels. We have to remember that they were at one time holy. Their fall makes them unholy, but it does not change their nature from being angels. They're still angels. They're just in a fallen state in the same way that we are still humans, though we are in a fallen state. Their one time act of being confirmed either in holiness or in their rebellion is different than Adam's fall in that Adam was a federal head. He he acted on behalf of others. Angels acted on behalf of only themselves, and that's a distinction between angelic beings and created beings. They have no federal headship, and therefore there is no salvation available to them. Uh, if you and I were damned for Adam's sin, or if we were damned in our lostness because of what Adam did without any redemption made available to us, that would be somewhat unjust in the sense that we would be damned for Adam's act of federal headship on our behalf, and yet the the federal headship that was enacted by Adam is also played out in what Christ has done for us, in that Christ functions as our federal head in saving us. So angels had no representative who 
fell on their behalf. So it's not like Lucifer acted on behalf of the third of the angels and fell. Each one of those angels made that choice of rebellion. And so each one of them made the choice to enter into that fallen state or that rebellion themselves individually, which is why probably there is no salvation. One of many reasons why there's no salvation available to them. And and that's a very important point. And we're going to look at that. I'm sure we're going to talk about this with the with the fallen angels, because they went from one state to another. Yeah. Those that we're speaking of today, the holy angels, they're confirmed in holiness. They've only known holiness. Those that had fallen, they knew holiness. Now they'll never know it again. They're, they're permanently in a state of being unholy, and they can't change that. And that's why it says in First Peter that the angels look at salvation with wonder, because they can't understand that. They can't experience that. They never will be able to. Here we are as humans, we, we are born only knowing sin, and until we are saved, we know nothing of any kind of holiness, and yet we are taken out of an unholy position, and we are redeemed and made holy. That's part of the, the marvelous nature of our salvation that makes angels uh, long to look into those things. We're going to continue this in, in another episode to finish up the doctrinal statement dealing with holy angels. And what we're going to look at is the relationship then that they have to believers and unbelievers and nations. Now, we said in the first paragraph that what they do is they mis- minister to God, they minister to Christ, and they minister to believers, unbelievers, and nations. So, so far, we've looked at their ministry to God and to Christ. What we're going to do in the next episode is look at their ministry to believers, unbelievers, and the nations. So I hope you'll, you'll tune in for that. I, if you're listening to this, maybe you're not following it. Please, in whatever podcast app that you you're have, go and follow this podcast, Andrew Rapport's Rap Report. One thing we would strongly uh, encourage, if you are getting value out of this, would you at least share this with others? That does help for others to find the content. And if you wouldn't mind giving us a review, we want to know why you listen. Because the reality is, we actually don't know who's listening unless you let us know. And a review is the way you could do that. Now, one thing you could do, and I'll have a link in the show notes on how to leave us a review, but if you go to lovethepodcast.com slash rap report, that's rap with two Ps, that's a place you could go and get us, leave a review and we can see it. Or you can leave a review in whichever podcast app you're using. Reviews are just helpful for us to know why you like this show. We want to hear from you. We will read those on, unless of course you say, don't read it on the show. But we'll read those on the show because we want to know what value you get from the show. Would you consider doing that? That would be a, a wonderful help to us. We would appreciate that. So that is what we have for you this week. We'll be back next week for another episode of The Rap Report. This podcast is part of the Striving for Eternity Ministries. For more content or to request a speaker or seminar to your church, go to strivingforeternity.org. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.